to another episode of Three Wise DMs, the podcast where three dungeon masters have been doing this for way too long. Talk about all the things we do to try to make our games as good as they can be. I'm Thorne, and I'm joined by Tony. If you can just get your mind together and come on across to me. We'll hold hands and then we'll watch the sun rise from the bottom of the sea. But are you experienced? Have you ever been experienced? Well, I have. (laughs) That is the Rock and Roll DM, DM Dave, singing Are You Experienced? But by... Jimi Hendrix, right? Woo! The Jimi Hendrix is true. Of course, yeah. Absolutely. A different arrangement without a guitar. A little bit. It was kind of tough. Also, finding the right key for it, you know. I was thinking since we are live casting right now. We are. Because I'm currently true. looking at these people in front of me. God help you. But uh, having you guys do like that might have been fun. Yeah, none of us can play guitar, yeah, let alone Jimi Hendrix guitar. Much less hum it along. <laughs> yeah. Can you air guitar Jimi Hendrix? I mean, you, you can. I've seen people do it. It just doesn't make any noise. You know, making the noises is the difficult part of being Jimmy Hendrix. So they say. So as Dave said, we are here live. We actually this is the, when we started this podcast, we had planned to record live in this kind of setting, and then COVID hit. So we have mostly been a remote podcast ever since then. This is the first time we've gotten all three Wise DMs in the same room around the same microphone to to do the podcast, guys. It's great seeing you in person. Woo! It's good to be seen. Feels like we're Almost like, shall we say, leveling up. Oh, Jesus. Oh, that's a, that's a rough segue. Wow. But here Sorry, is... everybody. <laughs> Dave's song is a better segue <laughs> in this case. Are you experienced? And do you need to be? And as you experience, as you become experienced, do you need to level up? Is leveling up a thing you need to do in D&D? And while we're talking about leveling, what do we like about it? Does D&D handle it well? Should you go beyond level 20? How could you expand your horizons there? And all of this comes from us watching a video by Dale Kingsmill on uh, the Monarch Factory YouTube channel. And her video was, Why D&D Shouldn't Use Character Levels. Which is an interesting concept. It sounds heretical, doesn't it? Like, it, it feels does. like we shouldn't be having this Torches and pitchforks. Right? I don't oh, know. yes. <laughs> like, I don't know. Like, it just feels like someone's going to break in right now and stop us from the podcast. Break our legs for suggesting this. Uh, well, she makes some good points. I do, I do. I mean, my knee jerk is exactly the same, right? D&D is a level up game. Right. But she makes some good points. And what, and what, uh, good points. what Kings Mill suggests is that instead of using levels in D&D, you splinter out the different character class powers and feats and things like that. You would still hit milestones and gain your hit points and your proficiency going up. But what you would actually do then is spend your experience points to buy access to new powers. And maybe some powers have a prerequisite. Maybe these powers you can't get until you've accumulated X amount of experience total. Maybe you need a prerequisite to get some. Like you can't get superior crit before you get improved crit. Um, but it's D and D liberal arts university. Sort of, yeah. sort of, yeah. It's, you can, you can. And so the, that's the idea. And she does say that she would probably still separate things by class, the way she would do it. And by the way, we will link this video in the description, so you can you can see the video and you can watch along and see see if you take the same takeaways we did. It's an interesting idea. I mean, what do you guys think about it? Well, levels are kind of a hallmark of the game. 
I mean, if we're going to get rid of levels, we might as well replace hit points with a life bar. <laughs> Aren't hit points kind of a life bar? In a matter yeah. of speaking. <laughs> but, I mean, when visually... Um, I did like the video. I thought you made a lot of sense in uh, certain areas, such as most of your stuff is best in levels 1 through 10. And then everything else kind of gets fluffy, and specifically unless you're a monk. Yeah, I mean, her, well, her point was that you basically get, in her, in her opinion, she is someone who's a game designer, which... We should mention, because that does influence how she comes at this. She comes at this from a game design point of view, which I do think is different from a regular DM's or regular player's point of view. So uh, people who get into game design tend to have a different angle on how these things work out. I find them people who are just playing and DMing it. But her point is, when she builds a character class, she she can generally find 10 good levels worth of stuff. And she feels like most D&D classes only have 10 levels worth of good stuff, and the rest is kind of filler. That has not been my experience with the classes I've played. I understand what she's what she's trying to say oh, with yeah, it. Yeah. Uh, because like you'll have those some of those levels where you're not getting some really cool uh, uh, ability or something. You're getting like, I think like when I just leveled up, uh, I think mm-hmm. Beam, the cleric, I think I got like one spell like i get one more spell slot in seventh thing which is cool i mean i don't mind it but it's it's like is that necessary in terms of 20 levels that she's saying like all the really cool big stuff is you could probably condense down to and you can can point to the fighter too where the fighter now when i played jang the battle master i appreciated every asi i got but they Mm. definitely they they definitely in the fighter say here's some levels where we're not going to give you anything it feels as if in design, Wasi said, we don't have anything cool to get the fighter here. Here's another ASI. Here's another ASI. Now, at the same time, when I played that, getting feats that way felt awesome. Like, I really did enjoy that with the character I was playing. Does the fighter get additional oh, yes. ASI? Yeah, Does the, he? The, they they so, get, like, double the amount than yes. other classes? Yeah, so, in, I mean, it shouldn't, in, in the word shouldn't be additional, because what they really get is there are basically four more levels where the fighter, instead of another ability, gets an ASI. Okay. Okay. So, which is a little bit, if you're playing with feats, and I think everyone is, if you're not playing with feats, that's going to get boring real quick. But if you're playing with, if you're playing with right? feats... Or you just have 20s everywhere. Just 20s, well, you do, but you know, 20s. the fighter's like, I really didn't need that 20 in intelligence. intelligence. <laughs> it doesn't do so anything. So my mind yeah. flare shows up, you know. I'm, Make I'm, intelligence matter again. I'm so smart, I figured out I shouldn't have been a fighter in the first place. I should have been a monk. Or well, so, that's or funny. A that, so that's a, that's a good point, because it leads to one of my things, which I felt like it was a... I don't want to say it because it's actually a really great video, but it has a little bit of a, a clickbaity kind of feel because when she actually starts to break it down, what she's saying is not kind of what it says, why they shouldn't use character levels. She's just using them differently. And what the first thing that it likened to for me was it was in 3.5 and I'm sure 3rd edition, uh, but I saw it in Pathfinder as I was playing and their use of feats, uh, their feats are extensive. There's like 12 pages of feats in just the core rulebook, much less probably whatever is in supplemental material. And you gain feats at certain levels. And a fighter, for instance, is gaining double the amount of feats. They're getting a feat maybe every level or every other level, where other classes are getting it every third level. Which is, or which is funny because that's exactly what we have in 5e. Just It's a little slower overall, but it's the same idea. Right, exactly. But this is allows for that. I think what her, her biggest point that I took from it was the level of customization. That your paladin and my paladin are going to look really differently. They're not just both going to have the aura of protection at 6th level, let's yeah. say. There, there was that. The I mean, the other thing though she's suggesting is that 
instead of having levels when you get your stuff when you level, you're collecting experience points that you then spend, spend. to unlock things yeah. whenever you want. Yeah, you purchase things yeah. at the, the ability store. But you're not but 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 you're not purchasing them necessarily on level and what she actually yeah, okay, well, yeah. and one of the things she suggests also is that you could purchase things multiple times. So he points out that you should have limits. So some things would have a limit, you can only buy it once or twice, but that implies you can buy more. So imagine imagine a character where you can buy proficiency bonuses level up so maybe you could maybe you can get up to plus seven proficiency bonus by like 10th level or something instead right instead of having to go in with everybody thing. else right in, yeah yeah well another no, proficiency bonus is that proficiency bonus well if you could buy that then i would everybody would buy that because that would make the most well sense. would you though because then you're, you're getting you're getting better rolls out of it but you're not getting other powers yeah so this yeah. is actually you do have some interesting trade-offs there you know and you could also from i would think for most things you could also change the timing of when you get it because you're not necessarily waiting for level x to get a thing because most things you could buy i want to take the improved crit first or the superior crit first before i get other stuff so you can really it's customizable but it's also customizable out of the level box like you might be able to buy two or three things in the time you would take to love to, to get one level so definitely one of the more interesting things the ideas there is that all your fighters wouldn't be the same from point to point to point yeah, yeah. i think that's fantastic yeah, and the idea absolutely. of being able to buy and having some agency getting abilities provided you have the prerequisites is also fantastic However, I do think that levels are good because they give, especially new players, a very strong idea of what their characters are capable of doing. Mm -hmm. If you're a level fourth fighter, you're not going to go chase down the cloud giant and, you know, try to kick his ass. That's it's not going to happen. Or you could. Maybe get some lucky rolls and you, you flank them and maybe you could pull this off. But Always knock someone down a big enough cliff. I mean, maybe. <laughs> that's, that's, that's impossible. But in the other games you play, like Cthulhu or the Marvel game, you don't really have to gauge you're, you're a budding young wizard, and you're like, yeah, I could do this, and you're going up against this other character who's like, the hell you can, but you don't really know that because they're not level 14, you're not level 3. You don't have yeah. the distinction. Yeah. Well, that breaks out another point that I think gets more to the heart, I think, what Thorne asked originally was the idea that D&D is a level system, but I would say that every RPG is a, quote, level system. They're just playing it differently because we've run into this in the other games we've played, other systems. So Call of Cthulhu has a level system. They don't number it out, but you get better at certain things. Because what is leveling, really? Leveling is I'm getting better at certain things. I'm becoming more the person that I'm to become, right? They just... Different systems run it differently. Marvel, for instance, their level system is so excruciatingly slow and <laughs> random that, like, it's literally almost impossible. So what did we do? We started to kind of get bash something together to yeah. allow it. But what it's doing is everyone, levels have to be there in some fashion because you have to have a way that your person gets better. Or else they're, it's going to be, no matter how good your story it's going to become it's a challenge of character experience. Uh, yeah, it's a little bit semantics, but I would say I don't consider those all level systems. And, okay. I, and I think when she's, I think what Kingsmill's talking about here doesn't consider them all level systems either. A level system to me is literally a level up. I get XXP or I've done X things, and now you get your level up, and, <laughs> Just you, get, like and that. you get multiple things. You get more hit points. You can hit better. You get some ability. Yeah. That to me is a level system. And it is the other measured me, in a way too. It is a, yeah. a no, it's a known quantity. Yeah, right? the, I would not in the game design terms. I would not call what the Marvel, what the uh, Marvel Superior role playing game does. Well, no one would call that a level. That's system. That's not a level system. <laughs> no. neither, and, and, and neither is Call of Cthulhu. 
They're both things where you basically... So Marvel, at least, you gain character points and karma points. Uh, karma points more. Karma more, Which yeah. you can then use to open things up. Actually, the Marvel system is exactly what she's talking about. You gain karma. You use it to buy things you want to buy with karma at whatever level, at whatever speed you want. I to. will say that the way we play it, yes, the way it's written, that would literally take us like ten years. It would take time, but it's, but, <laughs> but yes, the but whole concept, the point, yeah. yeah, in concept, that is exactly the system. She's you talking. are improving the character, yeah. but not well, in a prescribed manner. And you're improving the character by taking your, your your experience, your karma, which is effectively your experience, yeah. and taking it and spending it to buy new things you want with no prescribed path and no prescribed levels. Yeah, no, okay. That's actually, that's exactly what she's suggesting for D&D, although maybe not so slowly. Call of Cthulhu is interesting. I am feeling like it levels up a little too slowly, but maybe just current adventures has taken a while. But Call of Cthulhu, what's cool about that and different is it's almost like a Skyrim leveling system without levels. But you don't get good at what you want to get good at. You get good at the things you were successful with during the adventure. Yeah. And then you have a chance to advance them. So it's 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 a non-leveling system, but it's a random non-leveling system. Random leveling. Yeah. <laughs> it's been so much fun. But um, it, that for yeah. that system, that plays so much better towards what the system is trying to emulate, which yeah. is humans. Just normal humans who do things, and now they're caught in these ludicrous situations. You persuade some people, you get better persuading people. You yeah. pick some locks, you get better picking locks. That's the idea. And actually, Skyrim uses that with leveling. But Skyrim, the video game Skyrim, which I talked about because everyone's played it, that's the same thing. You get better at one-handed weapons if you're using one-handed weapons. You get better at two-handed weapons using two-handed weapons. You get better at whatever armor you're wearing. You don't get to choose what you... You get to choose perks, but those perks unlock because of what you use. Tony, has he... Does he only talk about Skyrim because that's he, what people have played or just because he loves it so, so much? He is a super fan. <laughs> they just re-released, like, the special super ultimate edition of Skyrim and, like, have you a bunch again? of people bought it. I mean, honestly, if you're the final boss, now you're fighting the... I don't think there isn't, there isn't even a new final boss, I don't think. I, I, I beat the game. Just, yeah. I've beaten the game before. I also beat the ASO online. But so many people have played Skyrim. No, I, it's, it's been around for so long. And that it's, I think it's, it's, it's a yeah, good it's example. example of the Call of Cthulhu yeah, it's a good example level. of a lot of these things. I mean, I appreciate that going, these levels seem very rigid. And I, I can see the pushback from that. And, of course, what don't we like about leveling? We don't like that there's a grind attached to it sometimes. Mm. Where it's like, well, if we don't play through X amount of games and then kill X amount of shit, don't expect to level up. Mm. And that was the mindset in previous games for a number of years. Everybody rolled like that because that's how it was put out there. Killing shit makes you better. That's another angle of this. So we have to make sure that we're... <laughs> Well, you originally know, speaking, solving problems. Though, originally speaking, Manting the story. But you know, letter of the law. Originally speaking, and this is the same for the, the some of the OSR products. Uh, it wasn't just for killing things or the grind. It was for the gold pieces, right? Acquisition you had experience, yeah, experience yeah. points. And, so, and to gold second edition pieces, had every individual character class had experience separate. bonus depending on what they did. Yeah, depending. So like you got you, you all got you all got XP for killing monsters, you all got XP for your treasure collected. But this guy then gets the rogue a lot gets more. a bonus, he gets double the XP for treasure collected. The fighter gets extra XP for hit dice to Which I, I still think that's a really cool. It is. I like the idea of I understand it, but I think that's where uh Dale and a lot of other people are are getting to is the rigidness has benefits and the 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 boundaries and the balance of the of the current system we talk about it a lot 
But there is something to be said that you lose, which is that ability of customization, that ability of uniqueness and individuality within these characters. And that's, that's been the big complaint about D&D since it left 3.5 edition. Mm -hmm. uh, before that. Well, yeah. well, no, 3.5 edition is the most customizable system they ever Ex made. Like, you because can really yeah, fit Pathfinder is 3.5, so I consider myself having played 3.5. It is too customizable. Yeah. and it, uh, Its problem is it's yeah. so fucking, like, every little bit is thought out. To, you could custom... They had whole supplements just on... Like, they had the splat books back Well, and actually, right? 3.5 was the last thing that Watsi did. So, Watsi actually yeah. did 3.5. Yeah. It was Watsi's adaptation of 3.0 that made it even more customizable. But then they walked back in 4th edition and said, that's too much. <laughs> we want to get we want to get this more within a box. Because it is too much. In 2nd edition, there was a lot of later customizable options, especially in the handbooks. But then again, everybody kept building the same characters the same way because they were just the best and we all cracked the code. Fourth did have a lot of customization. The problem is it didn't matter. It didn't amount to a hill of shit. It's like, well, I could do this differently and this differently. What does that mean in terms of the game? Absolutely nothing. Because the powers do the same things. They're just different names. They're different classes. Well, I, I will say there is a level of that that I am noticing in, in 5e, too, where you get some cool ability as a cleric, right? But what, in essence, you're doing is you're throwing a fireball. It it's the same hit. Yeah. It's the same. It does a different type of damage. It's you know it has a different flavor to it. You're calling it from your god, and that's awesome. But yeah, it does this amount of damage. It has mm -hmm. this this amount of diameter, and you're like, oh well, that's fireball. Well, that's like uh, what's synaptic static. synaptic synaptic static. <laughs> yeah, it's your psychic yeah. fireball. It's just like yeah. which, which is awesome, but yeah. it's, it's also higher level than fireball and does the exact same thing. Otherwise, it's a fire. But uh, you know, to be one honest, of the few though, intelligence attacks though out there. That is true. Is, yeah, that'll get right under your shield. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah no, uh, you think you're cool? Your, bar <laughs> your barbarian does not appreciate you throwing a synaptic static in his area. And no one, one does. I don't think do. anyone can handle the psychic. What's your intelligence save, loser? But. So there's some it's of a that. Mind flare. I don't mind that so much. I feel like there's. I feel like there's more variation in fifth edition spells. Absolutely. Than Absolutely. Fourth. Absolutely. Now it's not the same as three point five, and I think that's. And I know that's that's a complaint people have about fourth and fifth was that they stayed with Pathfinder because they wanted the extra crunch, that extra custom. Oh, it's yeah, fiddly bits all day, all day every day. Yeah, fiddly bits. So the one thing Dale Kingsmill mentions in the video that I think is worth talking about, she says one of the advantages is that levels are harder for new players to understand. Um, that, that is something when she teaches new players, she often runs into issues with. Here's one I actually disagree with. No, I thought her point was that it's still this not understanding you have character level and spell level. She does mention that's that. The, the she mentions that's confusing, but she also mentions that she felt like new players like actual describing levels? levels were a little harder. Really? I find in fifth edition. I think that's the easiest. Part. Well, that's the thing. Is the way they leveled out. The way they leveled out fifth edition. And I'm sorry if I'm misquoting. I'm pretty sure I saw the video. Uh, I remember saying it. Maybe well, I made it up. We just said yeah. it. So there you go. Um, but in fifth edition, I actually really. I think one of the things fifth edition did right was creating that level system where you only make a couple decisions at each level. But those decisions combine to make an interesting character. Yeah. But they're never throwing the sink at you. And I actually think that makes it easier to teach new players. You're like, look, you just need to make these decisions. Take this pack. Take the stuff to show you in the book. Just, you know, at first level, you're usually not even making a single decision. It's just, just get to know it. Now, second level, you, you get one decision. You can spells, and yeah. you have hit points. <laughs> now, that's a very good point. Especially if you have a new player. You're like, hey, 
Here's all here's all your spells. Pick two new spells from that. You just level up wizard and they're looking at you horrified. Yeah. Because yeah. now they're gonna read every yeah, especially spell. Especially the wizard list, because it's like forty-eight spells long or just first level. I, I still say you should not you should not tell your new players to go into wizard. Is this spell good? Uh, no, don't take that I don't one. Disagree uh, with you. No, that's Especially because there are some skill testers in there. There's some spells you should not take. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, on all honesty, the, the, one of our other complaints uh, that I have to agree with is 5e feels a little heavily front-loaded. Whew, that's a tough thing to really determine. I don't know. I mean, I think that that really matters with... I don't know. I don't... All right, let's also be honest. We're not super qualified to talk about this because as, as we've, we've mentioned said. several times, our highest level character is level 13. Yeah. We've been gaming... We've been doing this for two years. We just keep making new games instead of leveling up our dudes. Well, I mean... Yeah, if we, look at look, the, people choices. Okay? You make choices in life and you live with now, consequences. Now, in 4E, you ran into problems where you'd get abilities that you had to swap out and players used to always complain. Like, why yeah, do I have I to give it. this up? And I'm like, because you want this other thing that's good. And they're like, but I have to lose this? And then it have all these extra powers. Yeah, I remember you complaining about that to me. It's, 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 <laughs> it turns into a real mess. Actually, I didn't like. I didn't. I did not like the fourth edition swap because fourth edition would have things like at this level you get a new ability at a higher level, but you need to swap like your third. I like, on the other hand, 5th edition handles swapping very well, I think, where if you're a warlock or even the battlemaster, you bard. hit a new level, bard, uh-huh. most of the most of Artificer, the too, I think. Yeah, well, artificer... So basically what it is is when you hit a new level, you can swap a spell for another spell. You can swap a decision for... You, like, like you can swap an Eldritch Invocation for a different Eldritch Invocation... I loved that. Yeah, I could. Co- I constantly kept reinventing my character, uh, the the warlock character, the battlemaster character. I was constantly taking new I stuff. I think, they, but one, but if we really look at it like that, with I think all of the spellcasters have some mechanic that allows for something like that, and meaning that if you're a wizard, there's never an end to the spells that you know. You just yeah. keep writing them down, yeah. right? <clears throat> you prepare them. Clerics have access to the entire spell list at all times. So you got to pre- prepare in the morning. You prepare right? in the morning. Yeah. And then that, so that's the only thing different. So I think every class that you only get, you get two spells. That's how many you know. I think those classes, excuse me, are the ones that allow for that mechanic. So you have, so you're not just stuck with this shitball spell that your DM is never running you through an encounter that is going to matter that you can speak with animals because it's an urban setting forever. Your DM never wants to DM an animal talk. Yeah, it's Game of Thrones and like you're just in like you know. I don't think being able you're to talk, in flea bottom being able the to whole talk, time. Being able to talk to the sparrows was very handy in Game of Thrones. For, well, okay. for Varys. Yeah, well, <laughs> that was that was a metaphorical. I understand. But, uh, but yeah, it would be like that. Like, you have this crap spell now that doesn't work for this game, well, and you're like, well, the this classic, sucks. The classic example is Comprehend Languages. Many DMs oh. don't make language a big deal in their games. So you take you know how many language. times I think about preparing Comprehend Languages? I'm like, what What the hell is this going to... Oh, I can't talk. I tried to talk my way out of, of one thing, and we just genocided the whole race of lizard people. So, like... <laughs> I, like, it didn't matter. I cast tongues on myself. I'm trying to talk with them, and my party fireballs them in the face. Uh, you know. I, I, I don't think I let off the fireball in that situation. That's probably a lightning bolt. I don't I think mean, I did we, that either. Not this we, time. Actually, no, I actually think that, I think it was... I think they talked to you briefly, and then I think they actually attacked you because they were very angry at you because you had killed the dragon. Yeah, was, I understood, but, yeah. you know. So there wasn't... There, it's just a... I went through a little bit of a of a turmoil during that. I think that our past Christmas game in that game, I, I finally like helped to to heal my wounds from that. Dest- yeah. Destroying that Sierra Twenty Two dragon with extreme yeah. prejudice. That, but then I also like we saved him, you know, and then that's I, true. I, that's true. I, I paid it forward with the the mask that I. I will say in Woodstock Wanderers when they killed the dragon, 
they wound up in a situation with the dragon's followers who were lizard people who were worshipping him. That was a little a little dirty pool. A little bit of DM, a little bit of DM emotional blackmail. Of, they're attacking you, but as you kill them, you feel bad about it. I, I, and then and we my turned it around. I, like, I really did. I was like, wow, Beam really doesn't like this. He's very conflicted. I literally, I literally have it. I can go back to my notes. I have it written in there. Beam is conflicted currently. Good. You know? Good. That's, I, think that's how, I, think, I think that's how you should feel about it. But then in the Christmas game, we did the Grinch that steals Christmas. The Grinch was a CR-22 Ancient Green Dragon with a line That was incredibly ball. original, too, by the way. I don't know where you came up with that idea or anything. Like, it was incredibly... <laughs> the Grinch? Yeah, like our Christmas games are some of the most unique material that I think has <laughs> right? ever been put to paper. I, I mean, yeah. between mine, you guys had to save the North Pole. I don't know... Who's called? And then this Grinch character. I don't know. <laughs> I trapped you guys in a snow globe. I thought that was that uh, was pretty. That was pretty clever. That was yeah. yeah it, it took us about three, four hours to understand snow- that. And I think it's when you said you're in a snow globe. Because <laughs> Mephisto's giving you the middle finger. Yeah, He's like, like suck it, heroes. We were tapping on glass. We like no one got. I, I didn't, and you were like you're in a snow globe. I was like oh, cool. A snow globe with a nightclub. Yes, like, like, yeah, it was the uh, the um, needful things snow globe. It's everything you want. In there. Mephisto was trying to get the, and this was in the superhero game. We should say Mephisto was trying to get our characters out of the way. We are far off from levels okay. at this That's point. Okay. So, but let's. Play, I mean, because I do think you know, fifth edition. I like the way fifth edition handles leveling. Actually, so for me, while I think the idea of more freeform leveling, buying powers, is cool, I think it's great for other games. To me, D and D is a is a leveling game. Yes, you know what I mean. That's just kind of and, how I feel. And about proudly it. so, because yeah. I I do agree. With that said, I totally could see how you could easily throw in a very simple thing to allow that level of customization, and that's the feats portion of it. I think mm-hmm. that's one of the easiest ways to customize a character into something else, because when you allow feats in the game. And if they just expanded that, which they're starting to do with some of the settlements, but like really expand it to allow a level of customization. Well, and you already have feats that let you you already have feats that let you pull in things from other classes. Like mm-hmm. you have things like magic and magic and things like that. Yeah. I mean they're already As ritual caster. There could be more feats in the game, and I know they keep releasing more, but that's you could get more customization with more feats. I, I think the feats are super cool. But I have to say, from the player perspective, nothing is worse than it's like, okay, man, I really want this feat. This would be so cool. Where am I? I'm level six, and I'm getting a feat at level eight. Yeah. <laughs> There's something to be said for a game where you got to feed every level. That would be you'd be or you, every you'd be, every level might be a little intense. Turn it up, man. <laughs> well, turn I mean, it up. I mean, like, what if that's like to... the Mike Merles thing? He's like, level them every game. Who cares? Jesus <laughs> fucking Christ. Well, crank it up or we're going to crank it up to 11. Well, what if we... Which is two levels every session. If you had an option where we had this customization where if you were uninterested in your class ability, you could instead get an ASI. When are you ever uninterested in your class ability? Uh, have you looked at what's Barbarian after level 9? I have not because no, I have no. not played yeah. the Barbarian in 5 years. Yeah. Not great? I mean, I, I could talk to my spirit bear on level 10. I mean, that was that did come up once in two years. I could do that. But how many times did I talk to my bear? Well, you, you, you used I mean, you used it. I had you use it. That's not your fault. That's come the way on. the book was written. <laughs> you can talk to him every day. I don't know what he's got to say. Like, I get up. Hawk makes his coffee. The bear's waiting for him. What's up, brother? Yeah. I love that idea. Well, the, the problem is it's, it's kind of against what the barbarian mostly does. 
And you got to be careful with that, like when you're developing characters like that, where you have the barbarians all about being the super badass in is, combat. That is the um, that is that very specific archetype, though, that you're mm -hmm. taking to be the totem warrior, though. Yeah, so the totem bear, it yeah. plays into the that character concept, though. It would be like if you want to be an assassin, then don't take like second story work on you know true, for your true. for your rogue class or something, right? That I mean. Yeah, you could add more. You could, you well, could with add that more said, too, yeah. Tony, you're also the one that thought evocation was garbage until you've seen some of the ability and power that it has. I and never you said evocation was garbage. You so. absolutely said evocation. You said you that, yeah, the evocation well, school in Five E, you didn't think it really offered much. Yeah, you, you didn't. You didn't. Uh, you have changed your tune. At now. first, you didn't. Okay. Yeah, because at first you didn't think that like the the ability to keep your your party members from getting hit was a big deal. Screw them. And now <laughs> you're like, oh, I can literally drop a fireball in the middle I, of I everyone. Guess now that and, I care about them, kind of. And we're just well, sitting here yourself, fanning you, ourselves. You can also yeah. save yourself no. from the damage. Nah, I, yeah, while I drink a nice tall glass of iced See, tea. See, here's the thing with that. You just got a fireball so, around me. When you get at... I forget what the... Uh, like, the level 6 ability just would never work for him. Actually, ever. It was like... It was something to do with, like... Um, can trips, I forget. I'm sorry. And that, no, this is, you're absolutely right. This is where some of it is where some, I understand what you're saying. It's not that the ability is necessarily, eh, it's that, does my character, one, one it's like the comprehend no. languages, Actually, you know, this, like, this case, even matter? This case is a little different, because okay. I know exactly what he's talking about. The second ev evocation ability is very specific to a certain kind of cantrip, and you don't have it. Well, I don't use that one. No, like, like no, like, like, there's like one cantrip it applies to. Like, like they, they wrote it like it's going to apply to a lot of your cantrips, and there's like only one it actually applies really? to. Really, it's based on yeah. defense. It's if not. I'm not mistaken. It's not. It's it's a really weird ability that is just not very good. Oh, it, it's almost okay. unusable. And, and, now, like, it and now with that, but the said, first ability is awesome. So, 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 so yeah, so you get spell shaping at level eleven. You get your intelligence bonus tossed into your evocation spell damages, and then oh, at level hate fourteen. That. That's pretty sweet. At level 14, then you can start supercharging your spells. But for fuck's sake, getting to level 11 was like getting on a bike and riding to California. <laughs> well, that, that didn't mean, happen in three weeks, guys. You've been level 11 in, in two different games now, I think. <laughs> in two plus years, yes. We'll talk about that a little more next but, week. <laughs> um, what I was originally thinking that you were saying was that idea that the, uh, ab the abilities you gain as you level up that they're pretty much cool, except this one that is worded strangely. Um, but they're all pretty cool, but not necessarily to, one, the character concept that you're working with, or two, the type of game you're playing in. Like I said, with okay. the Comprehend Languages thing, if you have an ability like a Comprehend Languages ability and you're in a cityscape mm -hmm. for 20 levels, that ability sucks now. So now that level is... I, I cool, guess the, I thanks. guess the problem is yeah. one more spell slot surrounding that. Now the wizards got a little bit more play because you can select other new spells and they're kind of like a power in and of themselves. Absolutely, fair enough. But the degree these powers can be over the course levels, in in quite honestly, at times is inconsistent. So like at the lower levels, like the barbarian, what do they start out with? Level two, they get advantage on dex. They get they get the advantage on like all dex saves, right? Basically, that you can see. Mm -hmm. Which is incredible, and at level seven you get you get an advantage on all initiative rolls, and like that's incredible. And then like you know you're talking to your parent, and you know, that was your level. <laughs> so, so just just to so the I still think that that could really really help out. That might have been the key 
to the entire Barovia. That could have been it. You don't know. It really depends on what the DM routes through that bear. Damn right. So, yeah, right. That's it, a little bit too much DM fiat, right? A little, a little it can, well, it depends on, like you say, kind of parent languages. You know, it's no good if your DM's not going to give you an opportunity to use it. And then if, you turn But if you're in an alien world where you you can't understand anyone, then now you are a genius. Or if you need to be a go-between between between yeah. two or three different different. If you're trying not to cultures, genocide a lizard people. Yeah. Or, or, or like say you need to negotiate a treaty with someone who yeah. speaks a different language. Just to just because we're you know we're we're good podcasters, we should know what we're talking about. The particular evocation ability that isn't good is potent cantrip, okay. because it's your damaging cantrips affect even creatures that avoid the brunt of the effect. When a creature succeeds in a saving throw against your cantrip, the creature takes half the cantrip's damage but suffers no additional effects. That's cool if you have vicious mockery or something. Yeah, the problem is the evocation wizard has like one saving throw cantrip, and it's not it's like not what you would ever take. Right. Like that's the problem. Like they wrote an ability for for spells they never gave you. Well, okay. <laughs> like, that's that's the problem. Well, then that definitely, yeah, that could. That's a. Although, if you're that's an errata. Although issue. that's a good point, though, if you're multiclassing into something else, then this becomes a much better ability. Ooh, hey, yeah. now, right? Yeah. yeah. So, so I guess there is that corner case, but as a straight evocation mm-hmm. wizard, it doesn't actually, it doesn't help you at all. However, mm-hmm. spell sculpting kind of makes up for it because the ability to go, oh, I'm surrounded, ground zero, fireball, <laughs> and I don't take any damage, <laughs> is pretty awesome. That doesn't I, I mean, if you're concerned about your party's well-being, which I'm usually not as a wizard. But it's but your I mean, own, too, because if you catch yourself in your spell, yeah, you also I, I, I can drop, draw some great shapes. Yeah. I, I don't find that to be a real problem. <laughs> I can major in geometry in the <laughs> arcana. There are several times in my game Erasmus has dropped the ground zero fireball on his face because he was surrounded. Well, you know what? It's great in, in 5e. Lightning bolts don't reflect. Go ahead. Just shoot it straight. Hit three oh, no, people. You, um, it doesn't matter. No, Erasmus uh, specifically has done that. Se- not necessarily dropping it on himself. Oh, he's dropping it on himself, too. No, yeah. but I'm saying a lot of times dropped it directly into the middle of the party and been able to sculpt out. And that has been, yeah. I, I, I agree with you, though, that I missed the, I missed the bouncing lightning bolts. Yeah, no, that could get the hilarity could really ensue with so that. So, like the idea that uh, cool, you can throw lightning and deal with the consequences of said act. Well, yeah, but if you if you're if you then also combine that with spell sculpting, and you can bounce your lightning bolt back and forth across a narrow room three or four times, and if because that's how oh, we, that's how it used to work out in second edition. Okay, you put because you could start it where you want it to. So someone's in a ten foot wide hallway, and it's like a sixty foot bolt of lightning. You put it, you start it next to them, going through them, and just bounce it back and forth through them a bunch of times. That's the electric slide, baby. That's that's very uh, old TSR where you're interpreting a lot of arcane. You want to hear some old TSR business? Is uh, the original Baldur's Gate where you do something like that, where you just your wizard walks up, chucks a lightning bolt in a room, you hear people screaming as it's ricocheting around in the the fog of war, and you can't even see what's happening. Just close the door slowly. Yep. Uh, Surprise yeah. to you guys! <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, what about though? Let's talk more wild, more widely about leveling. So, I mean, what what do you like and not like about the way D anD D does it currently? I think it would be better if we did have some options when we leveled up. So we all kind of agree we do like the concept of levels. They give a decent picture of where you are in the game and your skills in general. But what if, like, hey, here's your class ability, and you're like, I really don't want that. This doesn't fit my character. Mm. How about a substitution versus just reworking everything? Like, I don't want to throw the yeah. baby out with the bathwater. Like you were saying, basically, if you could trade your class ability that that level for another feat. I would have done a backflip if you let me have uh, an ASI instead of that, of that ability, which I literally never used. And that may still would give you opportunities to look at some decent abilities... 
and say, like, that's a decent ability, but I would sure like two other ability score points or a feat. That's pretty attractive. I've liked, I mean, I've liked every every character that we've been running through. I've enjoyed leveling them up. When listening to Dale's video, though, I absolutely think that there is a lot to be said about that for the customization. In essence, to take the class bard and open up the entire thing of bard. What are all of the ability score increases? What are all of the feats? What are all of the spells? All of the abilities that you gain? All of the schools? And now, what is your bard going to be taking at these levels? I think that is a way that, like, right now, you could experiment with the current material, even just the PHB. No, like, don't even take the supplements in to not make it too, uh, too frightening. But just that and say, this is what you can gain, let's say, you know, and mix and, mix and match as you want. I think that would, that would be really kind of fun because i mean it gives you a crap ton of uh i mean for new players don't do that uh <laughs> right don't do that but for like guys like us who have been playing a long time like that's kind of interesting because what am i gonna build like what's gonna happen when i just start taking things out of my you know it's like when i'm cooking dinner and i don't know what i'm making yet i'm just starting to pull things out of the fridge what if we, I mean, took it even a step further. We're saying, like, for your example, we took Bard and opened everything up and said, here's everything in Bard. Oh, my God. Start picking them. What if you just said, here's my character. Most and I'm powerful just, character in the world. And I'm just talking <laughs> now. What if I'm just talking here, to torches and pitchforks down. But if you had your level one character, and then you're like, well, I want to take these two abilities that are available at level one. Gave it some kind of story basis for this. Like perhaps you got some warrior and some martial training. So perhaps you gained a cantrip and then a martial ability. Isn't that kind of what multiclassing is for? Multiclassing is a bitch. It is unforgiving. <laughs> and they're going to punish you and be like, you nerd, you took two levels in this nine levels ago and you'll never get your cool level 20 thing. <laughs> That's five evil. So you're saying, you're saying, let's say something like Bard, but you, you gain two abilities at first level, but you could say one of my abilities, I want it to be from the fighter or something yeah yeah so he's basically saying you open up the entire thing take an ability from whatever so just open up the php and everything is available to you as a as a person now to be fair this we, I, i'm huge on continuity this can't be like uh puffin's forest character who he named absurd who was level 14 but he had one level in every class <laughs> but well i had a player in slayer's bay that was planning on trying to do that he was already three different classes who was that Rob's character. Was he? He was a ranger, rogue, fighter, I want to say. And I said, dude, you want to take the next seven levels and multi-class and everything? Feel free. I mean, you're going to be level one in all of them, but you're going to be crazy. Well, like... You're going to have, have a very serious case of being mad. Yeah. Multi-attribute disorder. <laughs> like, yeah, I mean, that's good, more power to you. Actually, but... you, probably don't have the, you probably don't have the stats to do that. Because they do have prerequisites. You'd have to have Yeah, I mean, I never... To tell you the truth, I never really... When people... Because I, I like the idea of multiclassing, actually, yeah. when I'm running a game. And also, as a player, um, I dig it just in terms of character concept. It's not always as optimized. But um, I always kind of dis... I, I just look the other way about the whole <laughs> uh, prerequisites. I also kind of look the other way as to, like, you only gain proficiency 
Like, level one fighter guy who doesn't know any... He knows every martial weapon, or she knows every martial weapon ever known to man. How do They don't have anything to do with each other. They all work on completely different tactics, but you're a master of all of them, completely proficient. But this guy over here who's been out in the field and has learned these weapons, you get three. <laughs> you know? What? If you look at the proficiencies, you don't get all of the proficiencies. You get certain proficiencies. To do something open when like you that, you'd have okay. to... Okay, okay, I see what you're saying. Yeah, Actually, you, you I, don't I, get I, all martial yeah. weapons if you multi-class fighter. You gain, like, three of XYZ them. or something. Because like I actually that. have no problem. And actually, I kind of like that the fighters get martial, all the martial weapons when they... as just, just the first level. I don't mind that. But I also realize anything not on... It's, it's actually a pretty short list. No, it, I'd be short. Yeah, and it, it'd be pretty reasonable that someone trained in fighting, like a knight being trained up like a squire, would learn all that stuff as he was coming up. But, then, but part of that is anything not on that chart is an exotic weapon. Yeah. So like, you don't know everything. You can't walk up to a boomerang and like, yeah, I know how to use this for hunting elephants. Woo! No, that's an exotic weapon. You need, you need a proficiency to get that one. You don't know how to use your firearms unless you're in a world where firearms are martial weapons. Like, there's a lot you don't know. It's just you get all the stuff in the player's handbook, which to me, as someone who's... It's not excessive. Yeah, yeah like, because, like, I'm into, like... like but that's yeah. what I'm saying, is, like, so, just level one fighter, dude, but this guy who's been out here grinding out and learning all of these things in combat, you only get some of the proficiencies. But he's only been learning the weapon he's using. And you, you like, but you burn a whole level <laughs> to multi-class, and you can't just get the proficiencies? Like, uh, yeah, that's yeah. gonna be OP? Yeah, that's yeah, OP. Yeah. That, I, that I actually kind of agree with that. You know they, what give, I'm they give away full martial proficiency so easily for anyone else. like, so else. many people yeah. get them, right? Any martial, yeah. any real martial class gets almost the entire yeah. list, you know? It's funny, because to me, that list is actually small. Yeah. Like, as someone who's, like, kind of studied, like, like into, oh, well, like, ancient even weapons Even if you look stuff, comparatively to older editions where, like, the weapons list was, you know... I miss that. Massive. I really yeah. do miss it. was a whole yeah, book until you had weapons. to you had to pick out those proficiencies. I mean, ugh. Oh, that was worth it to me. I used to enjoy that. Yeah, no, I start with four weapons. That was straight crap. If we're going to even consider any kind of open-ended um, point-buy system like that, it'd be probably easier if you had, like, a martial character or an arcane character as a base... And said, like, this is generally speaking, and that would oh, determine... Oh, like, you are a martial Yeah, person. as I'm thinking this out loud You're still. You're an arcane person. I mean, yeah. I mean what, so, so what Dale Kingsmail suggests here in her video is that you would still have classes. But you would get access to everything in your class, one, across your subclasses, and two, when you want them and how you want them. I, I do, so just to if get back to... If you met the prereq and you could buy it. If the, yeah. but, but you only put prereqs on so many things, yeah. you know. So to get back to what you're talking about as far as the wide open kind of skill buying system or not skill buying but the, the power buying system I do feel the like, marketplace I do feel like well it's not a marketplace because you're, you're not adjusting costs based on the number of people who buy it no you know, but it's a window shopping <laughs> you can't afford that store yet but you but, know. I mean I kind of feel like that cheapens the decisions you're making I feel mm -hmm. like one of the things I like about the way D&D handles characters is you make decisions that matter. You're going down this path. This path helps define your character. Mm -hmm. The less you can do that, like the, the more you can, you, that you can break those boxes, the less your decisions matter. And I do prefer a system where the decisions you make matter. So that's kind of the other side of it, at least for me. Like, it's cool, and I can see especially for like a veteran player, like, yeah, I'm just going to put together my own class I, by using this ability. I, I, I understand. I kind yeah. of agree with it, too, because, for instance, like Bard, right? Like with Roderick, like he was a lore Bard, even though I still say he would probably have been the college of, um, oh. The, the eloquence? 
I, is it, it might have been I eloquence. eloquence. I, I yeah. think it's eloquence. Yeah. Yeah, the one that came out like Tasha. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that would have been like, so that's perfect. It was so good. So good. We're already but, on um, the campaign. But I was lore barred. So, so awesome. There are definitely cool things that the College of Swords gets, right? Yeah. Like like uh, Scott's character, Adelard, in the Woodstock game gets really cool things. I'm like, oh. Okay, oh, yeah. but you don't have this, but you have this. In case you, had, you, you think it had inspiration to damage, I think. Yeah. Which is great. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. But they, they don't have things like crit. Uh, they don't have things like cutting words and things of that nature. They, um, no, they still have. They have the cantrip. Oh, is that that's not like cutting words? Is oh, a okay. yeah, it's a very specific. I think a vicious mockery. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's just the. But there's something to be said. I I, I know what you're saying in that this is the. This is what you're good at. This is who you are. This is where your experience lies. Is it cool that, oh, yeah, I'm also really good with a sword? Yeah, but there's something to be said that I'm a lore bard. You know, like, that's an under, that's a known quantity in a way, right? Well, it's not so much the known quantity. Not the, yeah. But and, the, and actually, here's a way you could do both. If you had the stuff that was in your class and subclass was cheaper to buy than the stuff that was outside of it and cheaper to buy than the stuff that was outside of your class, and you get back to what Tony was just saying, if you divvy them up by arcane, divine, and martial, okay, so if you're going outside of your power, your power source, it's more expensive. But you can get it. I got what you're saying. But, the stuff, but you're going to have a penalty to get this other stuff, so you're still kind of encouraged to go down your path. But you can get out of it if you want to. That, to me, is a little better because I, just, I do think the decisions you make matter. Also, I play with a more disposable character attitude. You know, I'm going to play this character, I'm going to play through this class and this subclass and get this stuff, and then I'm going to move on to another character. So, like, I'm not, I guess for me, it's not as jazzing to say, okay, I can make this super custom, because I'm going to be out of this, once we're done, I'm going to be out of this guy into another guy. You know, I was gonna, I'm, I'm just, I'm just Scott Bakula here. You're just you know, cars. That's all right. I'm Scott Bakula here. Quantum uh, Leap. Yeah, Quantum, quantum Leaping leap. in different campaigns. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, I, I think a fair compromise in there is to have some degree of decision-making between the levels, especially if you're in a position where you may not really care for what you're getting as a class level there. It would be nice to have an option. I think that's probably the more reasonable compromise rather than trying... The problem is I like what's being said here, and it does... feels very Skyrim-like. I'm not going to undersell that, but... Um, That'd be very difficult to quantify in a lot of respects. Because, yeah. like, for example, if I had all these feats here, how, what levels is character? You're going to have a level now. You have all this stuff. Blah, 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 blah. How do you really show? And Is it... Um, I'm kind of... This popped into my head, and I think it's, like, kind of a mixture of some of the things you've said. But, so, when I get my ASI, 4th, 8th, 12th, right? Mm -hmm. Or, as the fighter, I get it, whatever. Right? In the... If you're allowing variant rules, which if you're not allowing the variant human rules, or, or, or no, that's not, that's for, regardless, yeah. allow feats. Anyone out there who's just still not allowing feats, like, please, can you please? <laughs> like, I mean, there's 12 of them. Like, Jesus Christ. Let, let people have some. But, 4th, 8th, 12th, I can take my ASI, or I can take a feat. So, in the same way... Would you say, like you said, you would have done a backflip if he, if you got an ASI instead of the potent cantrip that doesn't help anyone, right? Yeah. So, is it, it, it uh, is it more easily quantifiable if you said, with these abilities, you have, you can do this, or you can do this. You can do this, or you can do this. You can take this ability, or you can get a feat. You, is, can, you know, more, it's like yeah. certain things where you could say, you can trade this out. You don't get this. But you can get this instead. You know, we're actually talking ourselves back into fourth edition. 
Fourth edition used to do that. Uh, Fourth edition had, it had, you got your power, you picked your power from a list of powers. Yeah, it did. That had an extreme amount of customization, but every level was also, on the flip side, that was very difficult, and that's something to consider here, too. You're like, well, why was that difficult? Well, because, like, you're going to level seven now. Take a minute. Let's all go through nine pages of our level seven powers, everybody. You could not <laughs> level up at the table. It wasn't like five. Minutes. Hang on, I'm on page three. Although to be fair, any spell casting, any spell casting class has that problem. And the difference, well, the only thing was, four E made everyone effectively a spellcaster. Yep. Made spellcasters effectively like everyone else. That was the problem with it. You know what? You know maybe if we wanted to try this, run a one shot like it. You could do a one shot where you just said to everybody, every ability is open to you. As you level up... Within your class. Within your class? No. In the, the book? book? In the book. book. So you pick a class, and the class you pick... So your your class, your, your choice of classes determines things like your hit points. Well, but here's the problem, right? Because why would you not take warrior as your base class and then go take... Yes, I'm a want? barbarian. Also wizard. Yeah, right? I mean... <laughs> also, I have spell sculpting for no reason. Because that's the thing. Okay, if you could just pick anything from any class, which is not, which is not uh, what, what would be suggested said. in the video. So we, yeah. this is our we crazy We have been idea. bastardizing yeah. what she's... We stopped talking about Dale's well, stuff a this, while this, back. This is our crazy idea. <laughs> But I'm thinking about, okay, so what if you did open it up and you just at every level take any ability from any class? Well, then you're going to always be a barbarian for maximum hit points. You're going to always be, you're, you're, then you're just going to take whatever you want to take. But, like, everyone's going to have a D12 for hit points, right? That's and what I'm saying. I think, so you get both all the weapons and all the armor. I think yeah, an, easy, barbarian doesn't an easier way would be to, to keep classes. But, like I was saying, open up, you know, all of the different abilities across the board. But, again, that would only still matter once you're... Second or third level, it would only come into play when you're starting well, to do subclasses I mean, and such. Yeah, it would keep, but it would come into play forever. You know, yeah. it'd be, you'd be able to build up. And then if I there mean, was I, an ability, to I go still am not. I'm not bothered by by the leveling in five E. But with that said, too, full disclosure, I haven't played all the classes yet through five no. E. Through five E, like there's still many that are like fighter. I've played with many fighters. I've DM many fighters. I haven't played fighter in five E yet. I'm planning on it, but like I just haven't done it. So I I'm still interested in just what do I get normal just in the yeah. PHB. Like I don't I didn't even know about the ASI increase. Like <laughs> oh shit, the spider sounds pretty cool. Now, you know, like, well, that's part of why Zhang was so much. There's fun to so play. much. There's so much like material there. Yeah. Like I'm not ready to reinvent the wheel necessarily yet. Until I get to, you know, play, like, drive the car. And that's what made the Battlemaster so much fun to play. I was picking, because you get all these different, oh. all these different Battlemaster abilities, all these different feats, all these, you know, you have your superiority dice. And I picked that's a lot a of cool feats to feat maximize my superiority get. dice. You, that's another one where you can yeah. get Magic Initiate to open yourself up. You can get Battlemaster stuff and you get a number of superiority dice and tactics, I think. Yeah, and, and actually you can still take that as a Battlemaster. Oh, so you just, you add up your, your fuel supply. That was my, one of my, one of the ways I played him was just to do everything I could to maximize the number of hit. Of that makes a lot more sense than how, what you did with so, how you did certain things. Uh, yeah, because yeah, like, I was like, he just has a lot of <laughs> uh, Well, I mean, you get more as you level up, but I was literally... Like, I wasn't I was questioning it because I, I was fighting do. on your side. So I was like, yeah, yeah absolutely. Well, he and, has you, and you get them back on a short rest, too. So he has a billion platinum pieces. I remember him picking those up. I, uh, <laughs> it's on a yeah, sheet. I just, yeah, well, I mean, we... I have a number that's written right here. I mean, that's not just made up. I, mean, I think he had eight. I think he had eight superiority dice by the end of the game. So I mean, anytime we short rest, he has eight dice to use or ten dice to use. Yeah, I mean, I mean it adds up. You know? at, a, 
at a level like between Battlemaster and Monk is similar. Like Tony's character, Ryu they King, get a ton of is going to get yeah. uh, the key points are they get ludicrous. One of the problems surrounding using feats though for customization is that, hmm. and I saw this playing video games in Five E or three, excuse me, three point five was that you could eventually determine what the best warrior builds would be. Really kind of pretty cut and dry. And that's one of the reasons why in mm. second edition we had problems customizing characters. What's the difference between our two fighters? Well, we're very different. Well, how are you different? He has an axe and I have a longsword. Get it? <laughs> I mean... But there is a point where, like, no matter, no matter what, as story and character both just as you are, generally there still is going to be a level of seeking out how can I do the cool things? I'm not necessarily going to take weirdo feats that I'm never going to use because it's just my character. Like I mean, some people will, but for the most part, most of us are going to start to bias a little more towards this is like people are going to take Eldritch Blast, right? Because, well, that's true. Yeah. Because what? What? What are you going to take? Guidance? Like I don't you're know gonna, what what the warlock hands are. You're going to take Eldritch Blast. You're going to take Agonizing Blast. Yeah, yeah to yeah. a point. Well, you know? there's like no reason you wouldn't. I mean, we do have one character playing a warlock who didn't take that specifically, but it's like you only don't take it if you're running a contrary kind of character. Like if you want to try it without it, because otherwise, it, especially higher in level, I think Bonnie took it without Agonizing Blast. Someone took someone. No, she's got it. Wait, she's she played warlock twice. A couple yeah. times. Yeah, if someone took a warlock and she specifically chose not to take Agonizing Blast just to be a little different. Okay. But the Agonizing Blast, like that combo though, especially when you get like three, when you have three bolts and they're each different bolts and each one of them gets your charisma bonus to damage. Yeah. So like, it's like, it's like a, so yeah, I mean, you're averaging then if you hit with all three, you're averaging like 30 points of damage around. I mean, it's good. You know, you're not going to not take that. There's a level of, that people will start to bias towards a level of yeah. optimal. Like Tony was saying, like you have all that customization, but you're going to build I mean, you guys kept kind of building the same general path. But I also throw out there, though, so I say that about Warlock, and you know who doesn't usually take Eldritch Blast and Agonizing Blast? The Blade Pact Warlock. Blade Pact Warlock plays with their, they have, they're, they're more the of a sword, sword, sword. Yeah, like yeah. a Blade Singer. Blade, yeah, the Blade yeah. Pact. Well, no, the Blade Pact Warlock gets a Shadow Blade, and they are actually a melee character. So they oh, don't but they're they're kind of they're using that instead of the the Eldritch Blast. Yeah, they still have yeah. access to it, but that actually so 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 that as uh. much as I say Eldritch Blast is a no brainer, well, of course you're gonna take Eldritch Blast. I mean, even they take Eldritch. Well, actually, though, they tend to take Green Flame Blade and Booming Blade. I think that makes sense. Blade. I mean, if you can stack it onto a blade that you they're create. gonna be right up there in the fight, so they're not taking the Eldritch Blast stuff because they're taking the other stuff to help with that path. Though again. What makes it interesting is the way your choices add up to make a different kind of character. You know, the choices matter makes your leveling interesting, which pulls me away from the saying, hey, let's open all the gates and anyone can pick yeah, whatever and I, well, they want. I don't, I mean, it's not like we've played an excessive amount of fight. I mean, not comparatively yeah. speaking, but we've played a good amount of 5e with a lot of different types of classes and characters. Yeah. And I don't think any of them have felt the same at all. No. Like, I'll just take even a perfect example. We have... Bonnie has now played two Sorcerer Warlocks, neither of which resemble the other in any kind of way <laughs> at all. Between Mina and Ojin, they're completely different characters. Yeah. Same exact classes and same player playing them. So she's going to take a lot of... You know, she would she would be biased towards taking certain things that she knows. Yeah. But they still feel completely different because of their team because of the story they're what they're doing what they're being asked to do the choices they have to all of that beyond yeah. just the character sheet the way you play the game like you said the character. you've said this a lot of times about just playing the game as well as like having the players 
think off of their character sheet. So in the same way, like, isn't that kind of like with this leveling too? That's just a vehicle towards what's actually happening well, at the that, table. That, yeah, that ties into your investment, the character, the story, what's going on on the table. I agree with that. But what can we do at kind of like a lower level without really flipping the table to offer some a, a higher degree of character agency with leveling? At lower levels? I, I mean, in general speaking. Like, you're staying with your class. Let's just keep, let's try to reel it in. We'll stay within the character's classes. You're not, like, the fighter's not going to say, okay, now I'm going to take, a, a, take some spells this level. Unless they're going to use a, a feat to do so. Or, or a truly multi-class. They're How, Eldritch Knight. Yeah, yeah. You, you get, that's out there. So there's yeah, other ways absolutely. you can get there. There's a lot of different cards you can jump in well, to get on the Actually, road. technically you can't. Because that's actually one of the things you can't do with multi-classing is taking on a path within your class. You that's can't, true. You that can't is jump a, that's a fighter subclass. Yeah, you can't, you can't be a fighter champion and then jump in and take an Eldritch Knight level. Oh, no, no, yeah, no. You well, you could multi-class then as a wizard. You could. Or a yes, sorcerer. Absolutely. absolutely. Right? And then that's in essence an Eldritch Knight. But how, how do we get there with some more customization within your class without multi-classing? You know what I, what I, what I would actually do if this was your goal? If, this, if that was our goal? Mm-hmm. I would go through existing abilities and create new abilities and create a selection of, a selection of powers at every level. And that's that's the heavy lift version of doing it. You're you're reworking things. You're, you're that, that, get that your is, weightlifting belt, guys. Yeah, so yeah. Uh, so uh, you you mean you have a list of uh, first, second, all the way up, and a list of abilities, and each level you're choosing. I know exactly. So yeah, and sort, of, and, sort of, and, and sort of thinking. Think about it like the way you do spells. Plenty of classes have access to some of the same spells and other spells that aren't the same. Sure, right? sure. So you could do the same thing with skills. You, you you make it smaller. Maybe you have four choices at each level. Yeah. But you would have, you know, you can give them an option to do these things, and maybe one of those things is always you can take an ASI. Maybe one of those things is what you would normally have. One of those things is something else you think would make sense for a character in this class. And just kind of, you could kind of, like, you know, you could create a slate, and that, like a, a menu of, like, four or five things they could, they could select from. That would be one way to do it. I mean, and that would be valuable. In your environment, too, when you're not gaming a lot in one specific campaign, like we were just talking about it earlier, we're in like seven different campaigns, but we're only going to play 12 times a year in each campaign. Yeah. Yeah. So, Generally speaking, yeah. So, I mean, we've got to, one of the reasons that ways to maintain character investment, well, obviously you're moving the story and what's going on with their characters, but in the same breath, you have to, the characters themselves need to be advancing, at least in some tangible degree. The toy chest, yeah. So, you know, you get a level that means basically nothing sometimes, particularly when you're in the second half of the, you know, your yeah. character. That's rough. That could alleviate that. But your session is a lot of heavy lifting. That's talking about, like, creating, here's your character ability you normally get. We're going to throw in another one and then offer an ASI. And then the problem there is, and I like that idea, but then when you get to the ASI, then it's like, you know... You start getting you have a, you've got a lot of ASIs. It's got a, a lot. It's got well. You can yeah, can wind up with a lot of ASIs, and also it's a lot of choices. And you're like, hey man, you're like proficient in every and every saving throw. You're like, damn right. <laughs> Come at my charisma. Well, that that is the way that uh, that happened in the Storm Kings game because you had started to offer boons uh, and abilities mm-hmm. and stuff that was all really awesome in the story. But what it created, like for Roderick, for instance, is a bard that, I mean, how many skills are there? Because there are four, I think, that I wasn't proficient in by the end. Yeah. Now that's with a bard who already gets, like, a super amount of skill proficiency. Anyway, you gain ones as you level up. You get ha- jack of all, tra- all this yeah. kind of stuff. But then I got addition was where if we did the, the training manual, we would get proficiency in certain things. So I came out. With that, which is a wildly custom, you cannot create the bard that I had played through that game 
looking at any of the 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 material that's out there right we're now. going to talk about this more next week in an episode that we're thinking is going to be about basically how do you how do you balance the game when multiple when you have characters running through multiple dms games because we're talking yeah. about doing some 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 things some shared universe stuff yeah where multiple where basically characters will be running through different dms games in the same world and we did run into this with Storm King's Thunder, where we have Erasmus, who was in STK, in Storm King's Thunder, which Tony also DM'd. So DMing his own character, though. he was that was a DMPC there. <laughs> he's also in in um, he's also in Woodstock Wanderers. And we ran into like um, like the defenses he had, and the hit points he had, and the boons he had that he carried over from what was kind of a Monty Hall, not really a Monty Hall treasure. I am lines. pretty awesome. Let's add that. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> Yeah. So, so. But the point being is that you had a wildly customized character that could not be built in the existing materials. And, he, and, as he, they are. and, and we started running into situations like characters, like NPCs that other characters were totally afraid of. He's like, oh, I'll just wrestle him to the ground as a straight wizard. 13 I, levels of wizard. I, I, I'm going actually, to be the best wrestler in the party. That didn't work at all, actually. Well, to be fair, it was a colossal. Fortunately, it was a colossal dragon. Fortunately. <laughs> well, thankfully, we haven't pulled in the uh, my wrestling rules into either of the worlds either yet, yeah. at least. And, yeah. and then the other, but the other thing was, I was looking through your sheet, and it's like you were proficient. You basically had on. You had very high saves and four of the six saves. You actually had high saves on all of them before them you're proficient in. And then also, like, like one of the things you gave us was, like, advantage. Like, we had defense, advantage and resistance to all mental and fear attacks. Hey, hey, didn't you say about your talk this next episode? We will. We will. We will. Okay. Yeah. But, but, but that's, but that's I'm just show. keeping you honest. We'll, we'll get into it. That's true. But, like, but like, so that's the thing is, like, you wind up with these very customized characters. And all of a sudden, you can wind up with a, with a character that's broken in the setting he's in. Because he's wildly better than everyone else in the setting. Yeah, that's you gotta look. I don't want to spoil the big thing for that right now. Okay, yeah, but if that's it's a thing. But no, it's a, it's a, a it's a good point in that way. That I was using Roderick as an example is that you couldn't build Roderick. You could not level, so he ended at level twelve. There's no paths that you could take that could create that. But there is something to be said about, and I think this is some of what Tony was talking about too. There is something to be said that that is the story and the the what they found in the world. You know, back in the day, you would go down in the dungeons and you would find crazy-ass magic weapons that would make you invulnerable because you went and found that stuff, you know? But then you come and bring that character to another table and that's, you know... Well, there were, way back in the day, there were the RPGA rules and the RPGA official stuff. And they have that with Adventurers League and stuff now, too. And there were ways that they basically made sure if you were in tournament play... You were within, like, you like this is a legal thing. You can have, and you got it this way, and they had a record of how you got it. Yeah, basically, you played in this game. That was in this game. You got it that way. So there was sort of a balancing across multiple games that way. Mm. We're going to try to do it without them. But that's next week's, that's next week's yes. topic. We will get to that next week. It'll be very interesting. Don't miss that one. But that does create a, a wildly customized character, as we saw. Every single one of those, Mina, Roderick, Jay, yeah. Erasmus, Rome, and Jacob, you could not build those characters because of the level of customization that was afforded because of the story that we were playing with it. So the, right? the one side of that is that that was accomplished by giving them more than would traditionally be like by Raw in 5e allows. Mm -hmm. But on the flip side of that, yeah, pound by pound next to other characters, well, they're going to be more powerful because... They have their existing powers, and they have these other goodies that they acquired yeah. over the course of the campaign. Now, could we have turned around and just said, you have now this option of A or B? Well, I gave that in form of a reward, so you it's did, not yeah. really yeah. as exciting. It's like, hey, I could swap it out, but if I really like this ability, it's not a reward. 
But if you're really looking for the customization, mm. it's nice to have options. I mean, the only thing is that wasn't really it was it was somewhat customized, but it was also the DM doling out story rewards. So it was only it was a, you basically generally had two options of what you were going to take. So they were custom characters in the sense that they had access to a lot yeah. of stuff they didn't get. But it wasn't like character-driven customization. No, because a lot of times it would yeah. be we either got like tremor sense or we could... Uh, it was great in the game. I mean, we it, had it like, you know, we could see yeah. dark vision for a certain it was, it was, or something it, like it that. It was fantastic in Storm King's Thunder. It, was, it really made them great characters. Some of that stuff also came late. Like where you're kind of getting Absolutely. into it. Like, like it's like in the, they were end game kind of thing. Yeah, we're getting juiced up. But I don't know if that's the model for the leveling discussion. Yeah. You know? Yeah. But speaking of the leveling discussion, we've gone on for a little bit here, but there's still one more topic I really want to hit, it, which is leveling past level 20. All right. So, advancing beyond level 20 and 5e, what do you guys think? I have to say, just on the face of it, I don't like that the story ends flat at level 20. Because if you think about this, we're keeping the context of the leveling. We're all like, hey, yeah, we want to get that level 20 ability. Like, that is the end game. Like, you look at that level 20 ability or the level 18 ability that you have in your class, and, like, that is the the absolute end-all-be-all cool thing. I know for Barbarian, it's fantastic. Wizards get some pretty amazing stuff at the very deep end, which really, for me, is the ninth level spells around level 18. Yeah. But... The funny, thing, funny, Warlock's level 20 ability is you have, to, you have to wait a minute and you recharge all your stuff, but it still takes you a minute, so you can't use it during combat. <laughs> yeah, Barbarians get unlimited rage. That seems fair. <laughs> wow. So if DM Dave doesn't like that he's taking half damage all the time, now he's that Barbarian's taking half damage literally 100% of the time. That's okay. There There's only Mind Flayers left in the universe. <laughs> <laughs> you, you, you get a character you guys escape Barovia into a Nautiloid. Yeah, <laughs> there's... <laughs> The, the rage doesn't end when uh, combat ends. It can't be disrupted and you have unlimited rages. So basically, you wake up furious at 7 a.m. Like, your face is red. The fans are sticking out of your neck. Anyone who's had a commute into the city knows uh, this feeling. Uh, hyper, hyper, right? Yeah, we're going to have hypertension rules. <laughs> and that's how Hawk died. At age 22, level 20. Yeah, he was like uh, a Wall Street broker. <laughs> <laughs> he didn't take his metaphorman. But, um... Yeah, the problem there is, like, congratulations, you made it to level 20, you have these great abilities, but... Go retire. So yeah, the story's over, sucker. I mean, there's nothing for you to do. You can't get any more powerful, you can't learn anything. I want to try to learn this thing. You can't! It's impossible. That's that's, awesome. that's one of the interesting things we haven't talked about that Dale Kingsmail brought up. Yes. With the leveling system she's talking about, the game ends when the story ends. Whereas with a with a with a capped level system like we have, like where D and D goes to level twenty, then you're done. If your game ends at level eleven, well, you feel like you need to continue the characters until they get to twenty. If the character gets to twenty and the story's not over, well, you've got nowhere else to take them. Whereas if you have kind of this more open leveling system where you're buying stuff as you go, well, just you just go to the end of the story, and then when the story's over, boom, you're done. Uh -huh. or, or you can continue, but your your choice is no longer tied to I've got six more levels I want to see. You know, the, the, the story drives when you stop and when you start, not the leveling. So in, in 5e, you know, we're running in, we're, we're going to run into that eventually. We hit level 20. Former editions, which we, which we were talking about earlier, did have ways to do things like immortal rules or epic level rules where you could advance past level 20. Yeah. Is that a good thing to add to 5th edition? Well, some of the 5, 3rd uh, uh, edition and 3.5 Epic uh, skills were hilarious, and uh, your uh, your brother and I were talking about this week. There was a barbarian ability that let everybody in the party rage together. <laughs> <laughs> that 
mean, you can't teach it's someone to rage. You're like, bonding over our anger. You're just inciting a, a freaking riot is what you're doing. <laughs> well, and then there's like, there was 10th level spells in 2nd edition or maybe 3rd edition. Where like one of the one of the spells is literally nailed to the sky. You put someone in orbit and they stay in orbit. I don't remember that one. I think I would remember that one, but uh, there was genocide. There was a genocide spell. You could literally get rid of a whole race if you did it. No, nah, I think that was from a supplement. Okay. But that, that okay. was like a thirteenth level spell from some roll aid <laughs> thing. But anyway, yeah, some of these seem like natural logical progression in the epic feat section. For example, you get like epic weapon focus. So you pick your weapon you've been training with your whole career, and you get additional. X points to attack with that. That makes sense. Uh, yeah, some of these other ones were really pretty out there. You get like improved dual wielding. So you get more armor class bonuses and more attacks with your 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 uh, action there, in addition to your normal attacks. And that's that that's rough. Because like, like I tell you, the last thing we need to do is tie up a combat by adding characters with more attacks. Just forget uh, that idea. That's true. That's true. Just I mean, give them more pets and more attacks and they're attacking five times around and their pets attacking. And What's uh, funny is I don't feel like extra attacks should take that long, but yet in practice they do. Mm-hmm. You know, you'll be like, okay, like, like when I'm making like multiple attacks, here's 3d20s, here's where they're going, here's the damage from who hit. But a lot of players are like, okay, I made my first attack and I had this and I had this. Now my second attack. I mean, it's, it's like, roll it, hit it, move. <laughs> No, I, uh, I you can have six attacks if you if you take them quickly enough. Yeah, Floyd, the Floyd Mayweather uh, feet, yes. Yeah, you, you, six you, punches. You know what it should be? It, sh- it shouldn't be Cold multiple feet money. It shouldn't be multiple attacks. It's how many attacks can you complete within thirty seconds? You put them on an egg timer. They can roll their attacks and damage it as oh. many times as they can <laughs> so, within thirty seconds. So it's it's player focused as opposed to character. Yeah, focused. you know a lot of players are going to do one attack in thirty seconds. I'm going to one off. Okay, this is your sorry guys. <laughs> Uh, no, I mean, I agree with Tony in that, in that sense. And also, Thorne, what you were saying with Dale is that idea of, you know, the story versus the level. And, yeah, like that idea of level 20, it feels like this final accomplishment thing. You're retired. You get your big final thing, as Tony has said. Here's your Holy Avenger, your Vorpal Sword. Now go and work the farm, right? Um Right and, off the sunset. And when you have something like that with these this ability system that we see in, uh, you know, starting in like third and, and going on, and especially in 5e now, you have that because it's these improved abilities over time to level 20, right? And there's the bounded accuracy idea, the idea that most people are, aren't even going past level 10, most groups, blah, 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 whatever. But if you go way back in the day, right, to the earliest stuff, and this is from some of my OSR reading that we're doing, yeah. We'll talk about that as the game happens. Don't worry, it will be happening. Uh, for anybody checking, I am. I decided to grab basic fantasy role playing. So anyway, the idea though is that the leveling system. It was not about you didn't get additional abilities. You didn't really. You got what who you were. You got your attributes that generally didn't change. You had your hit points that started to go up. But as we were talking about earlier as well before the cast. They capped at a certain point, and you yeah. didn't just keep accruing massive amounts of hit points. No, like, like, so like, your person yeah. became a little more battle-hardened, but what you got was magic weapons, armor, materials, uh, castles, uh, destriers with horsemen. So you your level 20 guy 
he might retire because he's accomplished all these things, not because he was like, oh, once I can get the castle, you know? So it, did, it, it was a little more open-ended in that way because it wasn't based on you gain these certain things at these certain levels. It was you gain what you gain and you retire when you decide to or you die. So I think it's I think that's where some of that changes when we talk yeah. about be going beyond level 20 because, for instance, with Hawk and, and Phineas in the Strahd group, the heroes of the mist, Strahd's bane, whatever. Heroes um, of the mist is good. That's fine. We can, keep, we can stick with that. We're still getting, you know, the pitch session there. Yeah. Focus group. Um, I think, like... I think Heroes of the Mist is one. What I, I, think, think, I, I think There will be, like, there will be name Like, people will know, that they'll refer to them as Strahd's bane, but, like, your f- official, like, who you are known as in the greater world is... Anyway. But, That's a real compromising answer. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's like Doctor Who, you know? Whenever the Doctor would say all of the names that he's accrued over time, and it seems impressive. Regardless, what I was getting at here was the the Strahd group, level 1 to 20, in essence, in game time, the actual characters, like a year... A year of their lives, two years of lives. It would be think game, of it like, like two months. Yeah, think of it like <laughs> like the Lord of the Rings, right? Level one to twenty was in that you know nine month year period that they were traveling to Mount Doom and stuff. And then eternal problem. Then the again. rest of life, you know. Yeah. But so in real game time, like you don't retire. What like you were saying, like Hawk isn't even old enough to drink in a, in the real world. <laughs> He's 20, right? He'll be 21 and be like, all right, well, I guess I'm done now. I have unlimited rage, so now I'm going to go, like, plow the fields? Phineas gets to plan his 21st birthday party. Is that what I'm that, hearing? That's When's correct. that coming? Yeah, that's, I, I don't know. You'd have to answer. I don't know. Do you you have to answer? For his 21st birthday. February with my real birthday. I haven't fully Hulk's turning 21 to on my birthday truth, I, I have not decided whether we go on the 10-day or the 7-day. Yes. Go so drinking for a fortnight? It. That might affect it, too. But, but, yeah, so I think it's a difference in perspective. So back in the day, you could go to level 40 because... It wasn't about your character. It was what they amassed over time. Yeah. And it was different depending on who you were. Not every paladin had the aura of protection. Which I like in a way because it's organic. Yeah. Right? It is like what happens next. And I do like the idea that, okay, you hit a certain point. You know, you've done all your personal adventuring and now you're a king. Yeah, I'm done. Now you've yeah. got now, or now you're a general in a king's army. Now you're a leader of men. Now you've got different responsibilities. Why? Because you're old. <laughs> <laughs> because you've you've leveled you're up. You're 26 great beard. That's why we. Because you're tired of doing it all yourself. That's, that's why, why we can't game three and four times a week now. Because we have other responsibilities. We exactly. can game once a exactly. week. You know? you, you Maybe like, twice on the off on the off weekend. We're trying. And I like that. And I did like that. Like for instance, in second edition, you would get once you hit ninth level, you start getting level, keeps, yeah. and you start. Getting getting followers and it wasn't like one squire it was like you got like a band of knights to come with you like yeah. if you really and played it and that's know. where i appreciate like people like colville who are bringing out like the, the yeah I mean, the kingdoms yeah. of warfare and the strongholds of followers but again it's putting it into this system that is prescribed within i'm gaining these things as i become more and more powerful as i level towards 20 so to go beyond that you have to kind of to gain all of this other stuff to make it matter, right? Like we're talking about here, you can't yeah. just retire when you have your coolest thing. Well, I mean, tell Unless me. like like the monk, he could retire or she could because 
They have like timeless body or something, right? <laughs> so they are just like immortal now. So now they go That's to the monastery. That's irrelevant. The way to how slow time passes, I might as well be immortal. <laughs> but what I'm saying is like with the barbarian, right? Like you, what do you gain? You gained old, unlimited rage and now I'm done adventuring. Too angry well, to die of old age. How too. is that useful for me? <laughs> I gotta say, getting unlimited rage and then going into a management position of like running other barbarians. <laughs> <laughs> Ah. That's that's really going to be uh, that's going to be an interesting kind of that's going to be an interesting yeah. sort of band of no. Players. Then you're just Danny DeVito from Taxi, just yelling at people from behind the gate. You're, like, <laughs> you're Darth Vader losing his shit in a staff meeting and choking yeah. out of college. Yeah. <laughs> like this is not working out, guys. We need to get him out in the field again. <laughs> go plow. Go 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 put on that. So yeah, I think I think they're uh, I think going beyond twenty is something a lot of people discuss. But again. For the majority, I don't think you're going to see a lot of uh, official I mean, stuff on it, just because, for the most part, people aren't taking their their characters to level twenty. Well, a lot of people start at twenty, and I don't know. I think I understand that, and I know that they have the data. So, Watchy, I know, has looked at the data in D and D Beyond, right. and they found most characters are lower level. Very few people get to level twenty, so why bother making post twenty stuff? On the other hand. Second edition had a great post twenty supplement on epic level adventuring. Yeah. We got into Paragon monsters, and you got into like you know taking your character beyond and stuff, and that was really cool. And I think there is room for that. And I know Tony, you've been playing around with an idea for this. Actually, yeah, there are two things to that. Uh, number one, yeah, I can see why most characters don't adventure really past level fourteen because two and a half years into a game, you're not even level fourteen. So that makes perfect <laughs> sense to me. I did using Dale's idea put together a prototype idea where I could kind of push them together. So I took what she discussed about how all the good stuff in a le- in a class is really in ten levels. So I said, what if at level twenty you could advance? To level 30, but it should have to be in a completely different class. So I took Fighter, because that's an extremely well-known one, and said, okay, so at level 21, you'd get the following fighter abilities. Level 22, I said, if I use my Barbarian as the model. Level 20 in Barbarian, level 21, you can't go any further in a Barbarian, but now he's going to go 10 levels in Fighter. And I condensed the entire Fighter class in 10 levels. And... You can do it. It was a. Li- it felt a little packed, to be perfectly <laughs> honest, because there was things I'm like, oh crap, a dominable's on top of a dominable, like because you're, ah. you're, you're getting like two things per level essentially, right? So you're kind of leveling up more quickly in the other class, and then what is the? Did you put any thought into how often, like, how many experience points, or how how do you yeah, want to handle it, that? It would have to continue to progress up. So wherever like 18 went progressively 19 to 20 is also how 21 to 30 would have to go. So it would be quite an accomplishment to get these levels. It wouldn't be like, hey, I just picked up the XP I needed for second, like, oh, real fast. Like back in second edition, you change classes and go crank out the XP you need to get. And like after one adventure, you can be a level four fighter. Not here. Yeah, I do think it's kind of a neat idea, and that was one of the immortal paths that they had in the earlier, in like the, the the basic or first edition. One of the immortal paths was okay. You completed. You went to level twenty in this class. Now you've got to go do it in another class. And I think you had to do three classes, and then you could try to apply for immortality and do your test. I think, that, I think that was the martial version, because there was also like a divine and arcane kind of way to go to 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 to, to do extra levels. Um, so I think that's a good idea, and I like the idea of letting them get to other classes. What if that's the point at which, okay, so you hit level 20. Now, level 21, you get to go pick a, you get to go pick a uh, level 1 ability from any other class. Level 22, you get to go pick a level 2 ability from any other class. 
uh, so long as you have the, pre the prerequisites for whatever that ability is. Because you're going to run into some things, you know, obviously, you know, you, you, if you're casting, if you if you take the spellcasting feat, or you take the spellcasting ability from one class, you got to get, you know, you're going to have to build up, build upon it. Yeah. You know? It's just hard. It would be, it's <clears throat> the biggest issue is it's something like that is so hard to play test because... Like we've discussed, we haven't even taken our players up to twenty yet. So yeah, you would just need, like, to, you know. need to make level twenty characters and just just start from and there. go from there. Yeah, yeah, and and probably level up. I mean, if you want to talk about playtesting, you're going to level up every every game. Yeah, because you're going to try to speed through it so you can basically get, yeah. see how all the levels work. And things would get a little dicey with multi classic. So if I'm level four and I'm yeah. level sixteen, then what am I doing? My level twenty one epic level. Am I progressing <laughs> still further in one of those two classes, or am I taking on a new class? And then the character who's been 20 levels in one class, are they more essentially more powerful than the character who's trying to fill out their other, the blank spots on their sheet? My, uh, my wonder with that, mainly just because we're going off of, so we're kind of taking the published material and you, you kit bash it together to, to create some idea of an epic level. And then I'm thinking, okay... So you're in like this immortal path thing. You're like you're the you're in a your rookie year of godhood, right? Mm -hmm. You're you're gonna be fighting. I mean, like your level twenty uh, stuff is when you're like you're fighting Vecna, right? You're taking down Orcus, right? You're what Tiamat. When you're going to level twenty five, like who are you fighting? One, but are you? How are you creating? That, so like, take something like, uh, like, would an ancient red dragon mm -hmm. be a good, would be a good encounter for four characters of, let's say, our level 24, uh. 25, right? Like, there are, a Tarrasque is CR 30. If we took these characters up to our level 30, and we had four of them, would they be a good fight for... You see what I'm saying? Like, yeah. the, the, the bounded accuracy idea. Like, where would you... What would you do with... you got to build encounters. You can build story. That's well, fine. But the encounters, what do you do? You just throw, like, four Tarasks at them? Like, what do you, what do you think? That's been done before, first oh, of all. Yeah, no, I mean, you could. But, like, <laughs> what do you do? Right? Yes, You've already that. fought do Demon that. Lords. You've already fought Tiamat. You've already... Right? Or an avatar of Tiamat, well, what right? What do you do is this. So there's a couple options. In the existing system, because we're going all 5e. So what do you do? But we're going to level 20. So, you're, so, yeah. so, so you could, first of all, you could flat out just increase the top bounds around bounded accuracy. No reason you couldn't you couldn't say bounded accuracy now goes higher than what it, than what it meant. Increase it like 25 and 30 respectively. Yeah. Two, so there's two ways they approach this in older edition. Uh -huh. One, in the basic level stuff, the immortal stuff, they introduced... Bat shit crazy monsters. We talked about one of them before. What was that Dina, one, uh, Tony? Dina, well, the Draiden? Yeah, the Draiden. No, no, no. That's that's beyond batshit crazy. <laughs> nah. -uh. So well, they no, get no, a hundred attacks yeah, around. No, yeah. juicing yeah. an ancient red dragon's crazy. The Draiden, no, that's something completely else. You need like a fleet of like Enterprise starships to fight that thing. <laughs> so that's so that's it's a Borg cube. It's that, with tentacles. That's yeah. number one. You introduce you introduce something else. You introduce another level of threat. Now, if you wanted to go kind of first the Goblins. Way, what I might do in my game... <laughs> yeah. What if that happened? Cyborg you, space no, goblins. Here you go. Le level 21. Go clean out the Goblin Warren. <laughs> oh my god, no. That's what Diablo would do. They make you play the same game over again at a higher difficulty. I mean, what I would do, actually, what I would do is probably... 
at that point, you really get into the territory of, okay, now there's great elder god something coming into the world that is impervious to your attacks. What do you do? You know, you can do that sort of thing. The other thing is what second edition did in their epic in the in the kind of the epic book was they gave you um, templates to make things paragon scion these were all larger uh, yeah yeah so you're able to take like say a red dragon and, and make, make a, a paragon red dragon yeah. that is a super that is like the Achilles of red dragons yeah and that is above and beyond so you can basically take any monster an interesting thing I actually used these rules as a first level in a first level adventure I made a Paragon Squirrel that nearly killed a first level party. Because oh, the rabbit had been done before. Yeah, well, it had. It had. Yeah, same idea. Though. But so, so I mean, these were actually Modern very. Python. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I made a squirrel. Actually, I also used some some Dragon Magazine gingerbread golems and uh, chocolate golems and things like that. Um, so that's so you can basically create templates that'll let you level up the monsters you're fighting. Mm. That's the other thing you can do. The third thing you can do is just you know. Yeah, just uh, figure out ways to make things even more threatening. Bigger numbers, better engines. Maybe they've got mechs or something. You know, they're riding Tarrasque. I have a crazy idea. So this is how you make your monsters more challenging. You Tiamat riding a Tarrasque. Okay. <laughs> I was, You're I mean, welcome. Orcus Earth. riding Tiamat. <laughs> oh, God! You get a pencil with an eraser, guys. Oh, I mean, God, this is how you do it. Johnson House. And I got to tell you, if I'm looking at um, the ancient Red Dragon stats right now. Yeah, the breath weapon, twenty uh, DC 24 saving throw for 26 D6 fire. Yeah, okay, and it doesn't even need that much erasing. Only t- so I put you guys up against an ancient green dragon. Mm-hmm. And the red dragon's only two dragons uh, that goes green, blue, red. We right? had no business fighting yeah, that green no, dragon, like, bro. <laughs> when they get to the ancient level, like, the, the colors begin to, like, it just breaks down. Like, they're completely different beasts mm. entirely like an ancient red dragon yeah would have annihilated our party in one breath weapon i mean what's 26 d6 i mean tells you, right there should be the number there well yeah they'll give you the mean 91 91 boom Seems fair. Yeah, i think that's for i think the mean for the what i hit you with was 70 yeah yeah mm-hmm. yeah okay yes yeah, so like most of us can make tw- dc 24 deck saves i mean you know <laughs> Vic would be fun and not only that, it's a it's yeah, a whole it it's yeah. an armada of ancient green dragons. I've done that before too. Yeah, that was actually that was that was. It, but it, the it, infantry are Tarasks. In, in the campaign where we had breeding Tarasks, which they stopped that plot. Yeah. The next thing was we had to giant, stop that plot. Yeah. The next, right. the, the next plot was a giant army of red dragons flying towards them. Yeah. Turn on the stone. Yes, they used the divine witch to turn the entire army to stone, which I thought was very clever. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That was that was that was a good solution. Uh, so yeah, it took a lot less time than fighting you know, a thousand or so. But that's dragons. definitely that would be the first thing I would uh, I would be wondering about, just because uh, we've seen how things start to break down a little bit in, in terms of any kind of balance in uh, level, le- like upwards towards yeah. like higher levels. So just going past that, I who knows? I'd be interested to find out though. I would like we were discussing before. It kind of depends on the party, as I was saying, like. If you told Bonnie that the only character she could ever play again in any D&D game we play is Little One, she'd be like, cool, when's the next game? When are we starting a new game? Because yeah. you have some of those players, they don't want to retire that character. Yeah. They never want to get rid of that character. Thorin can't wait to play someone new, right? That's awesome. Basically, yeah. But there are some people, they never want to get... So that's where something like this, you kind of have to because you can't just be like, well, you're... The 20, that's it. You're, you're sorry. 
4E had a great tool. I think I mentioned this before. Have fun on the farm. Yeah, right? Now you're done. You're done. You're Sorry. benched. Forget there's, it. There's, there's 20. no way past this. Yeah. So you just plug in. You have a monster. You could take a goblin. And you can be like, this goblin is. Keep pressing up. Level 28 goblin. And I'll make this goblin a solo. Whatever it stats. Bloop. And this thing will be the angel of death. This goblin could like misty step 70 and attack five times. That's what you do. And that's actually, what you, you know, do. I've got no problem with Choose that. your monsters. Yeah, that's well, my solution. Because here's the thing. When you start putting them up, they're no longer just fighting goblins. They are now fighting the yeah. goblin that went on its own path and is an NPC. Drinking demon blood. Yeah, and he's, yeah, it's like they're, they're now fighting things that have their own names and are their own legends. So you put them, I mean, you put them up against enough weak stuff that they get to show off how powerful they are, and then you bring in the hammer. You know, then you bring in the goblin who spent time in the in in, in you know the nine hells where they <laughs> turned him into a cyborg engine of torture and death. You know, he comes up, he's now a twenty foot tall goblin. And as Modi's controlling with a joystick, the goblin is now just Hellboy. He's yeah. got a giant stone fist and a shot off shotgun. His fist hits for two hundred points yeah. of damage. Good luck, guys. <laughs> hundred attacks around. Don't get hit by now, that. If his left hurts you, go down. Now, Don't get hit by Right. This can very easily be done wrong. Uh, believe it or not, this really can be because I've been in games where I've taken characters super far and we're like, yeah, we're so badass. We're into a, a monster and then we're down in like two hits and I'm like, what just happened? I got you, you need to justify it. Yeah, I got you hit need, by... You, you need to give them enough that they feel like that was... There's a reason that guy was hit. I'm like, so I was hit for 71, 74, and 73. Welcome to level 23. Yeah, I'm down. That's what <laughs> Yeah, that squirrel was really badass. Welcome to welcome to level twenty three. You're in the epic level. The, now. the ancient red dragon doesn't recharge its breath weapon. It's just it's on. Got a weapon it's constantly turn. using Boom. it, and it has multi attack. Oh, and by the way, if it bites you, it can get a free breath weapon it, that does max damage. Yeah, this red dragon hits the way Drogon hit the the uh, caravan of Lannisters. <laughs> it wasn't just ooh breath weapon sixty foot cone. No, it annihilated a valley. Yeah, <laughs> as it strengthened it. Yeah, that's a little different. But that's the thing, and you also you can start playing with new, like I said, like that, like like you say you have a red dragon. Now you start playing with red dragons that have different tricks. Like it, like it could be like when it bites you, it gets to free breath weapon you. Yeah. You're level twenty. It also then you cast, take the gloves off. It also has cast wish at will. That's a little. Now that's, that's ridiculous. See, this is what I'm saying. Jeez. I have no. I have. No, it's, it's on or off for me. That's no, it. No, no, okay, okay. You got to dial at it. At will bit wish. That's gotta, it. Look, Good luck, guys. You gotta dial in a little bit. <laughs> I've been doing this for a long time. You gotta hit those windows. So, so I mean, but it's possible. It's doable, and there can be cool, some cool things to do. I almost like the idea of going back to that. If I were gonna do past level twenty play in fifth edition, I would probably do something custom, and I might do it like maybe you know, like Tony was talking about with the you know you know you kind of you can have your arcane, your divine, and your martial kind of archetypes. Mm -hmm. And each one of those now has a unique 10-level path, but that path leads them to their own version of godhood or something. Yeah, yeah they become the avatar of their god. That's or actually, honestly, uh, I've done avatars at level 20. I've made well, in essence, I think a cleric at level 20 probably is an avatar of that deity. I would think point, so, yeah. Because they're is, pretty... This is where you start letting... So for a divine character, you would start letting them carve out their own, their own niche where they could be a minor deity. Yeah, you know, yeah. maybe not the top, top DD, but you would actually, and you start playing with powers that are things like you can make, you know, you can make the sunshine. You know, you start playing with stuff like that. You know, you, you can make, you you can, you can, you can turn. I'll tell you what, I mean, I am absolutely wildly uh, 
intrigued by it and I want to play it. My thing is, is if the Heroes of the Mist hit level 20, I wouldn't want to be the first one to test drive running it. Yes, you do. That's all. That is be fantastic. <laughs> I mean, who knows? Maybe I would. I don't know. We'll see. But. You could bring Strahd out of hell, make him a CR 30. It'll be fine. Oh, I Strahd back for revenge. Don't worry. I have a I have a whole lot of stuff planned. We found out we actually did not kill Strahd. It was his clone. He'll return. He, the real Strahd will show up. And no, the I have, when the army of Strahd clones. <laughs> <laughs> you have the Sephiroth Strahd with the army of failed clones fighting for him. They're just all like the Terminator, the new Terminator yeah. 2000, yeah. Uh, liquid metal Strahds. <laughs> You see, this is where it gets fun. Oh, well, there you go. Done. Okay. Just throw it out there. <laughs> so, we've been going on for a little while. So, let's get some final thoughts. What do you think? Final thoughts on leveling and the possibilities of making it even better. I think that a degree of customization between levels wouldn't hurt anything. It, that can turn into a little bit of a DM fiat. You may have to do some heavy lifting. It's all true. But, you know, it also sucks when you spend, you know, three, four games getting to your level and you're like, hey, I hate this power. That's, that's absolutely no fun. It's also kind of not fun to be in a party with another martial character that you're almost like identical twins with. So if you need a little something mechanically to split these to, these conjoined twins apart, then maybe, you know, um, that would not hurt. I think that can only serve to make the game a little bit more interesting and giving it a bit more flavor. I am very intrigued about uh, level 20 and beyond. Uh, I know there's no... I looked at this years ago. Years and years ago. I'm like, did they release some twenty level 20 plus rules yet? No. But I, I would try to keep it within the existing rules. Perhaps we could build on them rather than us just making up all these crazy new powers per level. That's going to get super house ruled. And that's coming from a guy who loves house rules. So <laughs> There is so much to this episode. Yeah, we, I, we, crazy. We, really, uh, we really opened things up. I, I think... Um, Dale's video was really great. Uh, as she said, yeah, her, thank you, Dale. her thought experiment. Uh, and I think that's what we're doing here. Um, I like the idea of levels. As I said, I still want to play through all of just the basic classes as they are right now um, in 5e. So I'm, I'm still fine with the level system. Uh, I probably always will be because I think that's just part of D&D. &D. It, it, it's like alignment. Uh, those two things I don't think you ever get rid of fully because it's what makes D&D D&D. Anyway, I think there's a lot of stuff you could do. We discussed a lot of different ideas. And if there's something you want to play with with this, we just gave out 17 different freaking uh, brainstorms. Try one. The same way I, I was just thinking with our wrestling stuff that we did. It's completely not there, but okay, we started to play with it. See what happens, okay? It's better um, than the terrible rules of the dark, though. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I like leveling. I think there's definitely areas for customization that is helpful. But I'm, uh, yeah, that's where I am. That gets me right <laughs> in the feels. Yeah, right? Yeah. I mean, there, was just, there was so much that we covered in this episode. <laughs> All right. I'm a little lost. Almost. So, so for me, I also, uh, so my final thoughts, uh, I'll, you know, I really liked the video. I thought it was a, there was some, you know, Dale Kingsmail's playing with some really cool ideas there. Yeah. I like them better for non-D&D games or for D&D games with very experienced players who are now writing for something different. When it comes to the way 5th edition handles leveling, I actually have found it really useful for, for new character, new players especially. Because it really does limit your choices every level. So I do this. I do this. 
The difference is, you know, the only time when that's not the case is if you're in kind of a spellcasting class, especially like a wizard, where you've got so many spells to choose from. But, you know, a player playing a wizard should want to do that. So I, I like the D&D leveling system. Some more flexibility. I almost feel like this is an issue that comes in when you have players who've been playing it for a while. And they, they're looking for different ways to build their characters. And then it can get cool to kind of play with some of these ideas. Uh, as we talked about, you need to think about kind of how things are going to play out. Because if you just let them pick from any class at every level, well, everyone's going to start out as a barbarian for the max hit no, points. Keep it within the class. <laughs> Fighter, <laughs> come on. If anything, keep fighter, it within the class. Fighter for, for, for the weapons now. and armors. Yeah. Keep yeah, it in the yeah. class, or else what's the point? There are certain, the so basically there are certain meta concerns you need to consider, is the thing, when you're thinking about playing with these kind of ideas. Beyond that, you know, we talked a bit about leveling up past level 20. I think that could be really fertile ground, but right now there are... Dean Watsi at least hasn't released anything on it. I haven't seen any major third-party stuff on it, although I might have missed it. There's room there. You can do cool stuff, even if, like me, you know, even if personally I probably just want to get rid of that guy and go on to the, on to the next <laughs> character. But there's a neat there's a neat room there to create your own abilities and see what you want to do and create something totally unique that you can, no one else is doing in Watsi or within the Watsi system. And that in itself is something that makes your game super fun and super memorable. We've talked about it before. The stuff that breaks the rules tends to be more fun than the stuff that follows the rules. So this is a good chance no. to break the rules no. if you want to go further. Yeah, okay. I probably don't break the rules enough. I'm still I'm still playing these first games. Again, we're getting used to all of the just choices that are currently available. Yeah. It's, it's pretty cool. And I would say the leveling, the characters I played in 5th edition, I have not at all run into the situation of, well, that level sucks. Because I feel like I'm always reevaluating everything about the character, but that's what I played. I played a Battlemaster, I played a Warlock, you know, I'm playing a, a Artificer now. Those guys all have a ton of choices. Like, you know, every level you're, you're, you can redo your old choices. So when you have that, it doesn't get boring. Some of the other classes, like Champion Fighter, Barbarian, you don't have the same level of options. And there you, you, know, you see people getting a little bored with some of the stuff they can choose to do. So mm. I think that's it, guys. Yeah. It's been great fun recording in person. Even if uh, this is going on a bit longer, because in person we get a little carried away. <laughs> yeah, and, you know, all of us together with about a, with about two gallons of coffee. This uh, is also <laughs> very fertile ground. Yeah, time. we could this is, We are in my game episodes. room, surrounded by D and D books and board games and all sorts of inspirational mm -hmm. mythology and stuff on the bookshelves <laughs> in here. So and all of our Christmas gifts and all of other. our fantastic Christmas gifts, which you can see on our social media channels. Yes, you can follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. We're very active there. And if you want to ask us anything, you know, this didn't come from a from a listener question. But if you want to ask us anything for us to cover, most of our episodes are about listener questions. We would love to hear that. Talk to us on any of the social media pages. You can send that to threewisedms at gmail.com. Or you can go to our website, threewisedms.com, and enter it in the What's Your Problem field. We check all of those things, and we're always looking to get reader questions. Thanks again for listening. We'll see you next time on Three Wise DMs.